millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 16 and 17 of New Moon, titled Paris and Visitor. So where we left off, she thought it would be fun to go and jump off of a cliff. And then once she landed in the water, she was like, oh, wait a minute, I could drown. (laughs) She's just the most ridiculous person. And how we ended the last chapter was with her legit drowning. Uh, And she thinks she's going down, 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 down. But we start this chapter with her saying, at that moment, my head broke the surface. How disorienting I'd been sure I was sinking. So she gave us the little bait and switch. If you got your hopes up that she was going to die, well, tough tits. Tough tits were stuck with her. And she's really disoriented. She can't say what's going on. She doesn't know where she is, what's happening. And then she hears a voice saying, breathe. And she's upset that it's not Edward's. She feels a cruel stab of pain when she recognized the voice because it wasn't Edward's. Poor Jacob can't catch a break because big surprise, it's Jacob. And he has just saved her life from drowning. And she's disappointed in him for not being Edward. Like give, give the guy a break. He can't do anything right at this point. And then she's telling us that a rock is smacking against her back. She's coughing up water and then the rock's striking her again. And then she's like, oh, wait a minute. It's not a rock. It's Jacob's hand. Like, I know she was just drowning and taking in a lot of water and everything. But like, okay, come on. Like, why are you thinking it's a rock? And then she hears another voice and it's not Jacob. It's Sam. And that shocks her awake a bit more. And I'm like, boring, boring, boring. The point of the story is she's not dead, but she almost could have died if Jacob wasn't there to save her. And then she finally wakes up, even though she's been awake for three pages, she finally wakes up and she's like, Jake, with a question mark, even though she knows it's him. And he's like, oh, you're awake. That's great. Does it hurt? And she's like, yeah, my throat's a bit sore. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, you almost drowned. You almost died. And Jacob's like, oh, I've got this, Sam. You go back to the hospital. I'll take it from here. And of course she doesn't twig that he's going to the hospital because she's self-centered. I mean, she did just die. So, all right, I'll give her that, but she doesn't notice just yet. And she sees a small flash of fire dancing on the black water far out in the bay. And she says, that image doesn't make any sense. And she's like, God, my subconscious is really playing tricks on me. And all throughout this chapter, she's like, wow, fire on the ocean. That was a weird image. And uh, the twist is that's Victoria because she's got red hair. I've seen a lot of redheads swimming 
and it never looks like fire on the horizon. Like, why would she assume that it's a flame on the ocean? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. But also, like, I, I really doubt that her hair genuinely looks like flames. She's just got red hair. She's just got red hair. Anyway, she hasn't figured out that that's Victoria yet. And Jacob's like, why'd you jump, Bella? And she's like, ah, oh, no, I was just, just being stupid. And he's like, yeah, that was really stupid. It's turning into a hurricane out here. Why wouldn't you have waited for me to jump? And she's like, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Um, how'd you go finding Victoria? And he's like, oh, not good. She took off into the water. And he says the bloodsuckers have the advantage there. I guess because wolves can't swim. Well, I guess they would doggy paddle. But yeah, they must have the advantage in the water. And just as he said that, she still hasn't twigged that the flame on the ocean was Victoria. And she's like, well, is everyone back home? And he's like, sort of. And that's when she realizes that, you know, someone was at the hospital. So she's like, who's at the hospital? And she's doing that whole thing, like where she's worried that someone's getting hurt because of her broken record. And he's like, nah, that's, that's fine. Um, Harry Clearwater though, he did have a heart attack this morning. Like, whoops. And she's like, oh no, is he going to be okay? And he's like, "Mm, I don't think so. And you'd think Bella wouldn't be able to find a way to make Harry Clearwater's heart attack about her because, you know, he wasn't putting his life at risk. But she does. She says she felt really sick with guilt because she felt horrible about her brainless cliff dive because no one needed to be worrying about me right now. What a stupid time to be reckless. So yeah, it's all about Bella. So Jacob takes her to his place. He puts it down and he's like, I'm going to get you some dry clothes. And she says that the cramped front room seems so empty without Billy. She's always making fun of how big Jacob's house is. (laughs) She's really rude. Calling it cramped. And then Jacob comes back. He throws a pile of clothes at her and she doesn't change into them. She says she's too tired to move just yet. So she just sits there in her wet clothes and it never gets changed into the nice dry clothes. What is she doing? She's going to catch the grip or something. She's going to get pneumonia. And then Jacob falls asleep and then she falls asleep in her wet clothes. This is a really bad idea. She's going to get a cold. And she says, for the first time in a very long time, my dream was just a normal dream. And I'm thinking, great, just a normal dream. Turns out it's not a normal dream. It's just a series of images foreshadowing things (laughs) and reflecting on the themes of the novel as per all of her dreams. Primarily, she's seeing a flame on the black water. And then she's seeing a stage with a balcony on it. And there's a girl in her nightdress leaning on the railing and talking to herself. And she's like, it's just meaningless dreaming. And I'm like, well, that's clearly Romeo and Juliet. And then she realizes that it's Juliet. And then we have the whole farce that Stephanie Meyer is trying to sell us that this is a Romeo and Juliet story. She's thinking about Juliet and what she would have done if her Romeo had dumped her instead of, you know, dying. And she's thinking, what if instead of marrying Juliet, he'd just disappeared? I thought I knew how Juliet would feel. And I was like, well, actually it'd be a happy ending because the two of them die at the end of the play. Are you forgetting that they die at the end of the play, but she's trying to paint herself as being a Juliet figure. And then she's looking at Jacob and she's thinking, oh, he's a Paris figure. I hate how Stephanie tries to shoehorn in the references to the classics. What was she saying? Twilight was like based on Jane Eyre or some bullshit or Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. 
It's a tenuous link at best. And so she's looking at Jacob and she's like, hmm, maybe Juliet and Paris would have had a great life together. Maybe she should have just married Paris in the end just to please her parents and keep the peace. And I was like, well, she didn't, she died. Then she's thinking, what if Paris had been Juliet's friend? The one person who really understood her and made her feel halfway human again. What if he was patient and kind? What if Juliet knew she couldn't survive without him? Then it wouldn't be Romeo and Juliet, would it? Like you can conjecture all you want, but that's not what the story is. William Shakespeare's rolling in his grave. But basically she's just thinking about settling with Jacob. And I'm like, you should only be thinking about putting on a pair of warm clothes. But she's still banging on about the rhetorical questions about Juliet being with Paris. And she says, maybe that would have been as close to happiness as she could get if Romeo never came back. And and then she says, oh, I sighed and groaned. I was reading too much into the story. No shit. No shit. She says, Juliet gets dumped and ends up with Paris would never have been a hit. That's why people still like and remember the play because it's Romeo and Juliet, the two of them tied together. And I'm just thinking, does Stephanie Meyer have no self-awareness at all? Because she has just written a whole book that is Juliet getting dumped and her hooking up with Paris. Like she's just said, it would never have been a hit, but I'm going to write a story where Edward dumps Bella and then Bella's depressed for a whole book and then she hangs out with her best friend and she wants to pity date him at some point. I mean, she didn't have to write it this way. It's so dumb. And then she says she closed her eyes and let her mind wander away from the stupid play. Well, it's not a stupid play. You're stupid. And then she's like, yeah, actually, I was being a bit stupid jumping off the cliff and with the motorcycles and everything as well. She's like, wow, that was really brainless of me. And then she's just thinking about dating Jacob. She's thinking about the fire in the water. She knows that fire and water doesn't mix, right? What is she thinking? She says there was something familiar about that flash of color on top of the water. Of course, it couldn't really be fire. Oh, so she does know it couldn't be fire. (sighs) This is is why I'm lumping the two chapters together because this chapter is just her brain farting all over the place, thinking about dating Jacob and thinking about the flames on the wave. She says it like 10 times, wanting us, the reader, to be like, figure it out, figure it out, like building the dramatic tension, but we've all figured it out. By the way, the hints were there. We took them. We ran with them. We've got it. But we've just got to wade through her bloody thought process. And then Billy comes back and he pretty much breaks the news that Harry Clearwater's dead. Rest in peace, Harry Clearwater. I'll miss his fish fry the most. And then Jacob's like, you don't look that good, Bella. And she's like, yeah, I don't really feel that good. And I'm thinking it's because you're sitting in wet clothes. But he's like, okay, well, let's take you back home. You should be there when Charlie gets back because Charlie's been at the hospital. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, cool. And so she still doesn't get changed. And Jacob picks her up and carries her to the truck. And she feels the cold air making her shiver when she's outside. And I'm like, that's because you're wearing wet clothes. Get changed. And you'd think after finding out that Harry Clearwater has passed away, you'd think she'd be a bit more worried about that. You know, he's got a 14-year-old son. He's got a young daughter as well. You'd think she'd maybe be a bit compassionate and be thinking about them. But no, she's thinking about maybe she should settle for Jacob after all. Like, can you believe that? She's just sitting there in the car thinking, hmm, I guess I could string him along. It might be considered cruel, just like Mike said. But I mean, it just feels nice being with him. He's my safe harbor. 
I think I should stake a claim on him. She's like, would it be so wrong to try and make Jacob happy, even if the love I felt for him was no more than a weak echo of what I was capable of? Even if my heart was far away, wandering and grieving after my fickle Romeo, would it be so very wrong? Yes, it would. (laughs) Cut the poor guy a break. I mean, yes, he's obsessed with you, but it'd be pretty mean and cruel to string him along and never give him the love back. And then they pull up outside the house and he hugs her. And I guess he's not thinking about poor Harry either because he says, sorry, I know you don't feel exactly the way I do, Bells. I swear I don't mind. I'm just so glad that you're okay. And so she's thinking, oh, great. Maybe he does want me to settle with him. Maybe this is a perfect little setup. (laughs) No, it's not. And she's thinking, wouldn't Edward want me to be as happy as was possible under the circumstances? Wouldn't enough friendly emotion linger for him to want that much for me? And she's like, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe he would. And I'm like, what do you mean? He told you to move on. He dumped you in the forest and he was like, I want you to move on and have a happy, normal human life. So freaking da, but she's just like, huh, maybe Edward doesn't want to be with me and he wants me to be happy elsewhere. Well, uh, yes, you cracked that code, Bella. That's exactly what he meant by dumping you. And then she's like about to kiss him, her head's on his shoulder. And she's like, I could just kiss his shoulder and then I would kiss him. It'd be so easy. Let's do it. And then she hears Edward's velvet voice, because remember, it's got to be described as velvet every single time. And he says, be happy. And she like freezes and shudders and Jacob feels her stiffen. I mean, it's just, uh, it's not really Edward in your head. Like, uh, she, uh, her medulla oblongata is just working overtime justifying her decisions. But before she can start kissing him, Jacob goes, oh, holy crap. And he's out the car. He's slamming the door. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, there's a vampire. I can smell a vampire. And so he's about to like get her out of there. But then she says, stop, because she sees a black car, a car that she knew. <laughs> She says, I might be the furthest thing from an autophile, but I could tell you everything about that particular car. It was a Mercedes S55 AMG. I knew the horsepower and the color of the interior. (laughs) You're certainly sounding like an autophile. It's Carlisle's car. She says she knows the rich smell of the leather seats and the way the tint makes the moon look, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, it's just Carlisle's car. Have you really been that attached to Carlisle's car? It's not Edward's car. It's not your truck. It's just your father-in-law's car, and she knows the horsepower. That doesn't seem normal. That seems pretty obsessive. And she's like, stop, it's not Victoria. It's Carlisle's car. It's the Cullens. But Jacob's still freaking out because, you know, he hates the Cullens. Not only does he hate them because they're vampires, but he hates Edward because of what he did to Bella. And she's like, calm down, calm down. It's just Carlisle, maybe Esme. And she's like, oh, I better not get too excited thinking that I'm going to see all of the Cullens. And Jacob's like, there's a vampire in your house and you want to go back? And she's like, uh, yeah. (laughs) So Jacob's getting pretty pissed off and he's like, you're sure it's not a trick? And she says, it's not a trick. It's Carlisle. Take me back to my house. And how is she so sure? She just saw the car. Anyone could be driving that car, Bells. (laughs) Victoria is like a cunning, wild vampire. You're telling me that she wouldn't stoop so low as to steal a car? (laughs) She's like, no, I'm positive. It's not Victoria. It must be Carlisle. I mean, she should be dead by now. The amount of poor decisions she makes, she should be dead by now. 
And Jake's like, um, maybe take your self back because, you know, there's a treaty. That's my enemy in there. I can't attack on their territory. And she's like, oh, calm down, Jake. It's not a war. And well, that's, it's, it's not a war because they have the treaty, Bella. That's how treaties work. <laughs> it's not a war. Well, <sighs> it would be if he broke the treaty. Like she doesn't understand treaties. She really doesn't. And Jacob's like, bye, Bella. Hope you don't die. And he runs off. And I think, you know what, Jake, you probably shouldn't have taken her word for it that it's just Carlisle. You know, she's being hunted by a vampire. You smell a vampire. That's, that's the facts that you got to go with here. And I think you really dropped the ball by letting her go into the house where a vampire is sitting. Really bad protector work there, Jake. And then she spends a second thinking like, oh, poor Jake. And then she's like, oh, well. And she walks inside excited to see the Cullen. And then she goes inside. All the lights are off. And then she's like, hmm, maybe it was a trick. And then she says, no, I know that car. That car is a Cullen car. So it must be a Cullen driving it. People sell cars. (laughs) And then she's, you know, she's fumbling for the light switch because it's so dark inside. It's so black just like the black water with the orange flame flickering impossibly on top of it. Flame that couldn't be a fire. Then what was the flame? And it's like, oh God, this is the clunkiest writing. She's really just saying like, guys, think about the flame on the water. Think about the flame on the water. And then she's thinking about how Jacob said she took off into the water. The bloodsuckers have the advantage there. And she's like, oh no. That's why there was that strange orange color on the water. It's Victoria's hair blowing wild in the wind, the color of fire. I mean, I think her hair would be wet and it would probably be uh, less flame-like if she's in the water, but sure. And she's like, oh, she probably would have killed me right there on the harbor if Jacob and Sam weren't there. Meanwhile, she finds the light switch and then she sees that there was someone waiting for her in the room. And that's the end of the chapter. And it's like, well, well, yeah. I mean, we knew that there was someone in there waiting for you. I mean, Jacob could smell a vampire and there was the Cullen car at the front. Like, and all the lights were turned off, which she had left on when she let, oh, it's just like oh, fucking Bella. I swear to God, let her die. And then we start the next chapter. It's called Visitor. And Stephanie does that annoying thing where she tries to like trick us for a paragraph into thinking that it might be Victoria there. She says, unnaturally still and white with her large black eyes intent on my face, my visitor waited perfectly motionless. Her knees trembled for a second and we're like, oh no, Victoria. And no, it's Alice. Big twist, it's Alice. And she runs into Alice, they have a hug and she's like, Bella? (laughs) So she's confused because again, Alice is the worst fortune teller in the world, as will become more apparent as she tells her story of why she's there. And Bella is just carrying on. She's hugging her, she's crying, she's blubbering. She says she's just so happy to see her. And Alice is like, oh yeah, okay. Um, I'd forgotten how exuberant you are. (laughs) So Alice is just shooting her down, hilarious. And Alice is sort of like pulling away, straining her neck away from Bella with her lips pressed tight together. And she's like, oh, sorry, you're thirsty. And I smell appetizing. She just assumes she smells appetizing. And she's like, been a while since I had to think about that. And she's like, sorry. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And she goes, it's my fault. It's been too long since I hunted. I shouldn't let myself get so thirsty, but I was in a hurry. Why does she let herself get so thirsty? Just go out and kill a deer. Like, it can't be that hard. Have some blood in the fridge. Like, I remember watching Buffy and like Spike and Angel and that when they were not evil would just have like, you know, blood bags in the fridge that they would get from the butcher's shop. I mean, you find a workaround. If you're not going to kill humans, you find a workaround to live. But you're telling me these Cullens are just spending days and days not eating? Like, think ahead. But then she says, um, would you like to explain to me how you're alive? And Bella's like, oh, you saw me fall. And she goes, no, I saw you jump. And she's like, well, yeah. And Alice is like, I told him this would happen, but he didn't believe me. He said you'd promised not to hurt yourself. And so he said, don't be looking for her future either. We've done enough damage. But just because I'm not looking doesn't mean I don't see. I wasn't keeping tabs on you, I swear. It's just that I'm so attuned to you. And when I saw you jumping, I didn't think I just got on a plane. I knew I would be too late, but I couldn't do nothing. Okay. Alice, that was a huge bit of exposition dump. And a couple of things uh, are, are coming to me right now. So first of all, Edward didn't want Alice keeping an eye on Bella, which just seems like a really bad idea. How horrible. Like all this time, I sort of was assuming that Edward would be getting Alice to keep tabs on her, but he's like, nah, let her live. (laughs) Even though she lives in the most dangerous town in America. Like Edward, okay, you really dropped the ball there. Second of all, she got on a plane. (laughs) These fucking Carlins. 
they can run super, super fast <laughs> and they're always boarding a plane. She got on a plane just super quick and that's why she's there so late. Well, maybe you wouldn't be that late if you didn't wait to board a plane. And also, how are you so late? You're a fortune teller. So shouldn't it be happening in the future? But she's making it sort of sound like she saw things as it happened. Like, Alice, if you're really going to see the future, can you see it like a bit further ahead than just like a couple of minutes in the future? Useless. She's so useless. Also, what did she think she could achieve by coming to Bella's house when Bella's dead? What would that conversation have been like with Charlie? Just been like, oh, Charlie, I just came here on a hunch. Uh, Let me help you, I don't know, prepare a funeral. Like, what? how could you help Alice? And then... With Alice saying that she's so attuned to Bella, she wasn't keeping tabs. She just saw it because she's so attuned to Bella. Why didn't you see Laurent trying to kill her in the, in the fucking meadow? Why didn't you see that? Surely if Alice wasn't useless as tits on a bull, she would have seen that vision and come running then instead of waiting for her to jump off a cliff. And also you didn't see her when she was risking her life on a motorbike. No, you didn't see that. You just saw the cliff jump. Okay. Okay. And then she says, I saw you go into the water and I waited and waited for you to come up, but you didn't. How could you do that to Charlie? Blah, 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 blah. And Bella's like, hey, I wasn't committing suicide. It was for recreational purposes only. She says, I didn't think about how the storm would affect the currents. Actually, I didn't think about the water much at all. (laughs) Like, okay, you can probably tell yourself that it wasn't suicide, but it certainly seems like she was trying to commit suicide, right? Like, I know she was like, yeah, I'm just going to jump off the cliff. It'll be fun. But she did it because she knew it was dangerous. Like, she knew she would see a vision. Hence, she knew it would be dangerous enough to trigger a vision. But she's like, oh, it's just recreational purposes. She's trying to lie to herself. And I was like, maybe I think you were subconsciously actually trying to commit suicide. Very possible. Very possible. I mean, you didn't see a therapist throughout this whole traumatic breakup. And you probably should have. I think Charlie dropped the ball there. Later in the chapter, Charlie even has a chat with Alice and he's like, oh, I didn't want to send the doctor upstairs to see her because I thought it would freak her out and make her worse. And I was thinking, Charlie, you had a duty of care to her. The doctor should have been seeing Bella. She was catatonic. She actually needed professional assistance and you didn't give it to her. I mean, if it was Britney Spears' dad, (laughs) there'd be a conservatorship in place. So maybe Charlie Swan should have taken a page out of Jamie Lynn Spears' book. (laughs) Guys, free Britney. I don't want to make fun of that. Free Britney. But but also, Charlie could have had some responsibility to look after her daughter's mental well-being. And then Bella's like, well, you didn't see Jacob pulling me out of the water? And she's like, oh, someone pulled you out of the water. And she's like, yeah, Jacob did. So it's pretty obvious that she can't see werewolves. And she's like, well, if the currents were that strong, how did Jacob manage to save you? And then she's like, yeah, Jacob's strong. And then for a split second, she's considering whether or not to tell Jacob's secret that he's a werewolf and she's biting a lip. All right, Kristen Stewart. She's gnawing on her lip for a second. And then she says, you know what? It's too hard to keep secrets. She decided Jacob knew everything. Why not Alice too? And she says, well, Jacob's actually a werewolf. (laughs) She's like, yeah, you know, that whole tribe, they turn into wolves when vampires are around. Carlisle knows them. And she says, were you with Carlisle back then? And then Alice is like, oh, well, that explains the smell. You smell awful. And she's like, werewolves, huh? Why is it such a shock to Alice that there are werewolves? And because 
Bella's like, were you with Carlisle back then when they made the treaty? And she wasn't. But also, Sam's been a werewolf for like three years or so. Didn't Charlie say that Emily had that salmon swimming upstream accident with the bear mauling her face like three years ago? So, so yeah, they've been werewolves for as long as there's been vampires in Forks. So even if Alice wasn't there originally, they should sort of know that there's werewolves where they lived for the past few years in Forks. And Bella says, I guess you weren't with Carlisle the last time there were werewolves here in Forks. And she says, no, I hadn't found him yet. But you had been there previously. While there's a whole pack emerging. Stephanie makes it out like the werewolves are only there because of Victoria and Laurent hanging around. But like, no, there was a whole family of vampires hanging out in Forks for a few years. That perhaps might have had something to do with it. And then Alice is prejudiced, so she's like, a werewolf, how could you be hanging out with a werewolf, especially a young werewolf, that's even worse. Edward said you were a magnet for danger. Weren't you supposed to be staying out of trouble? And she's like, hey, they're fine. So she's defending the werewolves just as she defended the vampires to the werewolves. And Alice is like, geez, you really have to just start hanging out with the first monsters you can find, huh? And that's when she's like, well, the vampires haven't actually left. There's still Victoria and Laurent. And she's like, Victoria, Laurent, and I thought you were attuned to what's going on in Forks, but I guess you weren't because this is all news to you, isn't it? My question is, she and the Cullens killed this James guy who was a psycho killer vampire trying to hunt down Bella, whole big thing. And you know that he has a mate called Victoria out there that you didn't kill. Why would you not be keeping tabs? Why would you not be keeping tabs? So Bella tells her the whole story, fills her in on everything since they left, except for the whole, you know, voices in her head thing, lol. And she says, our leaving didn't do you any good at all, did it? And Bella's like, yeah, no, that wasn't the point though, was it? It's not like you left for my benefit, which it, it, it kind of was. Remember Edward said, I'm leaving you because it's not safe for you. And it's because Jasper tried to kill you. Like we're just glossing over the whole Jasper tried to kill her thing. So yeah, it, it, it was for your benefit, Bella. And then Alice is like, oh, I guess I probably shouldn't have come then. And she's like, oh, don't go, Alice. Stay the night. Sleep on the couch, even though you don't sleep. Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, you look like shit. <laughs> she's like, well, I did almost drown. And also she's in her wet clothes still. And... Alice is like, well, it's not just that. You look really bad. And she's like, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm doing my best, but I'm a mess. She says, did you expect to find me skipping around and whistling show tunes? You know me better than that. And Alice is like, I do know you, but I'd hoped being like, I'd hoped to find you skipping around whistling show tunes. And I was like, no, you you thought she was dead. You were coming to Forks expecting to help Charlie with funeral arrangements. What do you mean you hoped that you'd see her skipping around whistling show tunes? And then Jake calls and she's like, oh, Jake. And he's like, just checking to see if you're alive. And then he hangs up on her. (laughs) And then Alice is like, I better go and hunt immediately. So I guess even though Bella smells awful because of the werewolf juices that are on her, she still smells good because Alice is implying that she smells good like she wants to eat her. But she's also said she smells awful. So mixed messaging there, Alice. And maybe stop commenting on people's smell. Like, it's pretty creepy for a vampire to just be always telling a human being that they smell good or bad. Like, maybe just keep that as an inside thought, Alice. It's kind of not done in polite society to say when people stink. 
And then Alice is like, can you stay out of trouble for one hour? And then she puts her finger up and she closes her eyes and she's like, hmm. And then she goes, yes, you'll be fine for tonight anyway. So she's just used her powers to determine that Bella will be fine for the next hour. Maybe could you use your powers to try and see what Victoria's doing? Maybe that might be a bit more beneficial, perhaps. So Alice goes away. She goes to hunt. Bella says she needs to catch up on her chores. So she finally has a shower. She re-hates dinner, blah, blah, blah. Then Alice comes back. And then Bella says to Alice, does he know that I'm here? And she says, no. And she's like, oh, so he's not with Carlisle and Esme. And Alice says, oh, he checks in every few months. I was in Denali visiting Tanya's family. Jasper didn't come because he doesn't approve of me interfering. And then Charlie comes back and she's like, oh, sorry about Harry, dad. And Charlie starts being like, yeah, those poor kids. Sarah's really dazed. And Bella's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's great. Guess who's here? It's Alice. Can she stay the night? (laughs) And Charlie's like, oh, hi, Alice. Is Carlisle here? And she's like, nah, I'm here alone. When really he was asking like, is Edward here? Charlie hates Edward. We're clear on that, right? Charlie hates Edward. So Bella, she falls asleep on the couch and then she wakes up from a deep and dreamless sleep. Thank God it was dreamless. I couldn't have taken any more veiled metaphors in her dreamscapes. And she can hear Alice and Charlie in the kitchen. Charlie's cooking a breakfast. And of course, Alice is going to have to pretend to eat it. And Alice is like, how bad was it, Charlie? And Charlie's like, yeah, it wasn't great. And he talks about how she was catatonic. He was worried about what to do. And then she flew off the handle when Charlie said that she should move to Florida because she didn't want to leave. And then, and then she was just doing the one word responses, not calling her friends, not being alive at all, really. And Alice is like, she seems better now though. And Charlie's like, yeah, ever since she's been hanging out with Jacob Black, she's been happier. There's a bit of color in her cheeks, blah, blah, blah. And then Charlie's like, even though Jacob's a year younger than her, I think there's something going on that they might be more than friends. So Charlie's just like, pass it on to your stupid brother that she's moved on. (laughs) Good for Charlie. And then Charlie's like, Alice, you know how fond I am of you, but I'm a little worried about what your visit will do to her. So Charlie's uh, finally being a good parent. And then he's like, Alice, I have to ask you something. He's not coming back to visit, is he? And Alice says, he doesn't even know I'm here. The last time I spoke with him, he was in South America. And Charlie's like, okay, cool. But my question is, Charlie, Alice is meant to be an underage girl. She's meant to be like maybe 17 or something, right? And Edward is also meant to be like 16. And here she is in Forks without her parents. And her brother's out in South America somewhere. She doesn't even know where he is. So he's not with his parents. Is Charlie not thinking, wow, this is a weird family dynamic. It's almost as if they're all adults. Like, why does he think Carlisle's just let his son run off to South America and his daughter's in Forks without his permission? Like, it's weird to not give that a second thought when you think that they're children. For us, it makes sense. But for Charlie, he should be like, that's odd. So then Charlie leaves to go and help with funeral arrangements. Bella wakes up. She talks to Alice and Alice sort of gives her the rundown on what everyone in the Cullen family has been doing at the moment. So Carlisle's teaching at Cornell. Esme's restoring a 17th century house. Emmett and Rosalie are on another honeymoon in Europe. 
Jasper's studying philosophy at Cornell. And Alice has been doing research into her own family history. You know how she was in the institution or something or other. So it all sounds like they're having a wonderful life. And I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't they just live this life all the time instead of going to Forks and pretending to be high schoolers? Like, if Jasper can already pass off being a college student and Emmett and Rosalie can just go on holidays in Europe, why wouldn't they just do that forever? I don't understand their need to settle down in a small town. It just, uh, it boggles me. And then the boring chapter continues. It's the next day. Alice is just watching Bella do housework. (sighs) She's scrubbing the bathroom like I care. And I'm sure Alice is also thinking, oh, this is great, Bells. Um, I need to be heading back to Denali because this is boring my brains out. Why is Alice just sitting around watching her do chores? I mean, Alice could help. She's a vampire. She could theoretically clean that bathroom in like three seconds. But she's just watching Bella do her chores. And I'm just thinking poor Alice probably wants to get the hell out of there. I mean, she's got eternal life and she has to watch Bella scrub a toilet. Not for me. No, thank you. And she says she's up to her elbows scrubbing the floor of the bathtub when the doorbell rings. And that's when Alice is like, huh? She's looking perplexed and taken by surprise, which should be a red flag. But then Bella's like, all right, well, I'll go answer the door then. Uh, It's probably Jacob. And that's when they sort of realize that Alice can't see werewolves. And Alice is very annoyed by this fact. Then the doorbell rings again. And she says, you don't have to go anywhere, Alice. You were here first because, you know, werewolves and vampires hate each other. But Alice wasn't really there first. I mean, Jacob's been there for the past six months, but sure, take Alice's side. Like five minutes ago, she was thinking, maybe I should date Jacob Black. Maybe I could just settle and just forget about Edward and just give Jacob Black half of my heart and just be a really distant, emotionless girlfriend for him. And now she's like, you were here first, Alice. Don't you go anywhere. It's just Jacob at the door. Like, leave Jacob alone. Oh, she's a bitch. But Alice is like, ah, nah, that wouldn't be a good idea. So she vanishes out through the window or something. And the doorbell rings again. And that's the end of the chapter. Now, Alice is just leaving Bella unprotected. What's with all these people leaving Bella unprotected? They're the worst protectors. Both Jacob and Alice in the past two chapters have both ditched her in the presence of another supernatural being. Like, guys, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And then she she ends the chapter saying, the doorbell rang again, trying to build up suspense. Like, oh, who's at the end of the door? Who's at the end of the door? It's Jacob. Well, you know, it's Jacob. I'm not going to go into the next chapter, but the first page is like, it was Jacob. And it's like, yeah, of course it was Jacob. Stop trying to build suspense with these little fake cliffhangers at the end of every chapter, Steph. You're doing my head in. Anyway, so that was chapters 16 and 17. I didn't enjoy them. I mean, what else is new? But like, it just, it just seems really dull. Like, I know we're going to start picking up shit and going to Italy soon, but it, uh, it really needs to start happening. The next chapter is called The Funeral. Maybe we're getting one step closer to the Volturi piece by piece, but man, it might be another boring chapter. We'll just have to wait and see. Thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews. I've been getting a few really nice reviews lately, and that's been lovely to read. And thank you to everyone who's signed up recently for the Patreon. We are still covering 365 days over there and it's been a hoot. It has been a hoot. It's the worst book of all time, but it is much saucier than New Moon, that's for sure. And that one will be finishing soon and I'm taking suggestions on what we should perhaps be reading next. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm kind of missing Anastasia Steele. (laughs) So I don't know if we might start reading 
the next Fifty Shades. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm in lockdown. I'm in lockdown, so all I've got is time to read shit books. So I'm going to use that time wisely. And I'll see you next week, guys. Bye! Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.